Welcome to the program today. Modern is us here in studio with Dr. Larry Allison. And we are going to be talking about a great topic today, the, the topic of heaven. Uh, and uh, Larry, Dr. Larry Allison, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here again, Mondo. And so you and I, we spent uh, three hours uh, doing a, a, a DVD session mm -hmm. on the topic of heaven. I mean, we, we picked it apart. And, and we, we, what, what we want to do today is kind of give us kind of a teaser here because it was kind of, it was based, not kind of, it was based on your book, uh, A Place Called Heaven. And, you know, as, as we think about the topic of heaven, there's no doubt, there's probably, as it relates, I imagine most people would want to have some sort of heavenly existence. Um, but let's, let's, let's get right into it in the sense of, until the rapture, um, everybody in this earth has an appointment with death. What happens, g give us the rundown, what happens to somebody who dies and then, you know, it depends. <laughs> so why don't you share, give us the background. Well, let's, let's look at it from this angle. Uh, what happens to a Christian mm -hmm. who passes? Well, the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But you can't really understand that unless you understand that we are created as a three-part being. In the same way that uh, the, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are a three-part being. These three are one, as it tells us in Ephesians. We are spirit, soul, and body. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 tells us that. So when your body quits working, your spirit cannot stay in your body. Uh, it's, it's kind of like an astronaut being in space. When their spacesuit quits working, they can't be there, all right? When we're on Earth, when our Earth suit quits working, then our spirit has to go somewhere. And Paul put it this way, he said, we're absent from the body and we're present with the Lord. Well, where are we with the Lord? We're in paradise. So the body goes back to the ground and decays and waits for the rapture. See, in the rapture, when it says the dead in Christ will rise first, that's referring to the dead bodies. So the body is in the ground and our spirit is with the Lord in paradise. Now, we don't have our resurrected glorified bodies yet. We get those at the rapture. So what kind of a body do we have as a spirit body? Well, we know that in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, that neither one of them had glorified bodies. They had spirit bodies. One went to the bosom of Abraham, which is commonly called paradise, that was in the heart of the earth, and the other went to Hades. And without their physical bodies and in their spirit bodies, there were certain things that we are told that happened. They had sight, they had hearing, they had memory. Uh, the man that was in Hades had regret. Uh, there was evidently a substance of water that the rich man uh, who was in Hades wanted. He desired it. Uh, Lazarus, on the other hand, he was in the bosom of Abraham and he was comforted. So once we are in paradise, uh, we, we have full functionality of our bodies and of our spirit bodies. And we can, at that point, explore paradise. We can be a part of the cloud of witnesses that's looking down and cheering those who are left on. 
And we are waiting for, at that point, we are waiting for the rapture to take place. Now it's interesting, a lot of times when we think about the rapture, we think about how Jesus is going to appear in the air and the dead in Christ rise and then we who are living are caught up to be with him. But what we sometimes don't think about is the reality that all of those spirits who are with Jesus, uh, my grandmother, my, my, my son, uh, my sister, all of those believers who have passed on, their spirits are with Jesus in paradise. So the Bible says that when Jesus comes back at the rapture, that God will gather together all of those who sleep in Jesus, and that doesn't mean soul sleep, that's just a, a phrase that was used at that time that meant that they, their bodies had died. He will send all of those with Jesus. So when Jesus comes back at the rapture, when, when the trumpet sounds and uh, we hear the voice of an archangel and the dead in Christ rise and Jesus appears, appearing with him will be all of those spirit beings in their spirit bodies who have passed on. Now, the dead in Christ rise, that just means the dead bodies of those who are in Christ, and this is referring to the church. Then we who are alive are gonna be caught up together with them and the spirits that are, were in paradise, our relatives who have passed on, who are in paradise, they, that spirit enters that dead body and then a miraculous thing takes place. The Bible describes it this way, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, corruption drops off and we take on, we're not corrupted anymore. Mortality drops off. We take on immortality. And we become at that moment as he is, as Jesus is. Now keep in mind, Jesus already has his glorified body. And so at that moment, we have glorified bodies just like him. And then the scripture goes on to say, from that moment, we'll always be with the Lord. So if we wanna know where we're going to be throughout all eternity, one good answer is this. Once the rapture takes place, will be with the Lord. So at that point now, now we have our resurrected glorified bodies. Now these bodies are like the body that Jesus had after his glorification. You'll remember when, when he came out of the tomb, and this is not controversial, it could be considered that way, but uh, it, it's not salvation critical. But when Jesus resurrected, the stone was rolled away. Remember the stone? And, and I've often wondered, why did the stone have to be rolled away? I mean, if Jesus later could just appear in a room without uh, opening the door or climbing through the window, a, a locked room, he could just appear there. Why didn't he just appear outside the tomb? Why did the stone have to be rolled away? Well, personally, I believe uh, that he was a resurrected man. You know, the scripture says that he came to earth as the son of man. Now he is and always will be the son of God, of course, the only begotten son of God. But he came to earth as the son of man. He lived his life sinless as a man. And I've heard people say, well, of course he was sinless, he was God. No, he didn't not sin because he was God. 
he set aside his son of Godship and he lived his life as a son of man and he did not sin as a man. And then I believe when he was resurrected, he was a resurrected man. The stone needed to be rolled away. He came out, that was a glorious event, a miraculous event. And he came out, but remember there's a lady there and uh, he told her, first she didn't recognize him, but he told her to go tell his brethren that he had not yet ascended, had not yet been glorified. And then we find over in the book of Hebrews that he went into heaven and he put his blood on the altar in heaven, which was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. And the Bible also tells us that it wasn't the copy that was on earth that was made uh, when Moses was shown how to make it when he was on, on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments and the 603 verbal commandments, that no, it wasn't that ark. It wasn't the ark that the Hebrews carried through the wilderness. It was an ark in heaven that had been placed there from the foundation of the world and it had never had any blood placed on it at all. And it was waiting for Jesus to come and put his blood on it. And when that first drop of blood touched the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, then at that moment, Jesus became the firstborn among many brethren. He became the first fruits into the kingdom and he took his place as the head of the church. And then he came back to earth that day. And from that moment on, it was okay to touch him. Remember he told the lady, the woman, uh, he told Mary, he said, don't touch me, don't handle me. Why would he say that? Well, he had not yet been glorified. But then afterward, he appeared in the room and uh, he breathed on his disciples and then later he appeared in that same room again. Remember Thomas was there and because Thomas wasn't there the first time and he said, handle me, touch me and see that I am not flesh and bone. Well, why didn't he say flesh and blood? I mean, that was the phrase back in that day, just like it is now. We say, I'm flesh and blood. He didn't say I'm flesh and blood because he had already placed his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. He was in his glorified body. It's interesting that in his glorified body, he, he cooked fish and, and ate with the disciples. There were so many things. Gravity wasn't affected. I mean, his body was not affected by gravity. Let's, let's say it that way. He was just magnificent. He, he was the Son of God in a glorified body. And what's happening at the rapture is that when in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, we become as He is, we have a body like His. And so now the church and the church only goes to heaven and that's us and we have um, the judgment seat of Christ, which I like what Gary Stearman says. He calls it the, um, uh, the exit interview. Yeah. And uh, so that's where the rewards are given. Now that is not a judgment, and don't get that confused with a great white throne judgment that takes place a thousand and seven years later. But, but it is uh, a place where rewards are given. Your salvation is not being judged there. You know, let's, I want to I expand on that. Uh, but before we do, I want to take a little break here uh, because that, that's, a great, that's a great segue in, in talking about for the believer at the rapture, 
what happens next, and then I want to explore that. We're going to take a little break here where you can talk about uh, our magazine, which handles and addresses a lot of these topics as we watch prophecy unfold. It's an awesome time, and the magazine is a great way to stay up to date, as well as uh, other theological topics that address all of the fun things that we get to watch. Everything that we're doing at Prophecy Watchers is vital because Bible prophecy is coming to pass right before our eyes. And it has never been more important for believers to understand what the Bible says about the days that we are living in. In case you haven't noticed, the whole world is spinning out of control. But we are not surprised because many of the things taking place were prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago. That's why we want to offer you a very special subscription to our magazine, The Prophecy Watcher, that will keep you on the cutting edge of Bible prophecy. Stay informed on prophetic world events. Follow the nuclear threats from Russia and Iran, China's march to world domination, the likelihood of another global pandemic, the rise of artificial intelligence and transhumanism, war in the Middle East, the UFO phenomenon, and the latest technology preparing the world for the mark of the beast. The Prophecy Watcher magazine features articles from leading prophecy experts like Gary Stearman, Mondo Gonzalez, Thomas Ice, Randall Price, L.A. Marzulli, Bill Salas, and many others. With your gift of $50 or more to support the worldwide outreach of Prophecy Watchers, you will receive 12 issues of the magazine in either print or digital format. You will also receive 10 bonus DVDs that feature in-depth teaching on the ancient book of Enoch, heaven and the new Jerusalem, the biblical case for the rapture, a look at how God put the gospel in the stars, what really happened at the Tower of Babel, and Ezekiel's prophecy on the battle of Gog and Magog, this special offer is available anywhere in the United States with free shipping included. Don't wait. Pick up the phone right now and call the toll-free number on your screen or visit us at prophecywatchers.tv. Stand with us today and help us take the message of Christ's soon return to the whole world. So before the, before the break, we, we were just getting into talking about the what's known as the bema seat judgment or the the judgment seat of christ you see this appear in romans 14 10 as well as second Corinthians 5 10 and uh in in second Corinthians 5 8 we, we've been referencing this passage to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord so when when the believer at the rapture um when the rapture happens uh, you, you described it in great detail that we get our new bodies we meet the Lord in the clouds, and then we're with Him forever, and then we go to this place called heaven, and then the exit interview. Um, should we be, um, let, let's talk about the exit interview. Should we be scared? Should we be nervous? Oh no, this judgment seat, am I going to lose my salvation there? Uh, what is this exit interview? What is the bema seat, uh, which is kind of a more of a classic term, the judgment seat of Christ? What's going to happen there? Well, when, when the rapture takes place, if the dead in Christ rise and that's you, or if you're one of the living that's caught up, no, you've made it to heaven. I mean, you're- I can, I can know that I've made it. You're okay, you've made it. And it's the, um, the judgment seat of Christ, Paul put it this way, he said, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account 
for what we have done, whether it be good or bad. It's not judging our salvation, but there are literally dozens of scriptures. And in fact, uh, in, in the book, we have many, many scriptures that talk about the rewards that Christians are going to get for doing various things. And this is where the rewards are given out. And it's almost like an award ceremony. Uh, it, I like to think of it, it is the adorning of the bride. It's, it's where the bride, the church, the bride of Christ, is prepared for the wedding feast that is the marriage supper of the Lamb that's getting ready to happen. And then after this judgment seat of Christ, then we do have the marriage supper of the Lamb. This takes place in heaven. And while this is taking place on the earth, the great tribulation is taking place. I think it's, uh, it's important for Christians to understand that uh, we are not appointed, the church is not appointed to the wrath that is to come. And the wrath that is to come is this horrible seven year time on earth called, and Jesus coined the phrase himself, the tribulation period. He called it the great tribulation. So we, we avoid all of that. Now I've had people come to me and say, so you're just teaching an escape theology. Right, guilty. We escape the wrath to come. And so for the seven years, we have the judgment seat of Christ, we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we're being prepared and trained on how to rule for a thousand years. See, when this seven year period is over, Jesus comes back to earth and he comes back to earth with his angels and with his army in white robes, and that's us. And so when he comes back, the antichrist, false prophet, you know, they're, they're gone. Uh, Satan is contained. An angel comes down and, and he's put into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom. The Bible says that we, the church, we have, keep in mind, we have supernatural bodies now. We have bodies like the body that Jesus had after his resurrection for 40 days when he taught his disciples and friends. So with this superhuman type body, we will rule and reign over the earth with him for 1,000 years. And I believe that while we're in heaven for the seven years during the tribulation, that there's, there has to be a certain amount of training going on on how we are going to rule with him. Of course, he is the supreme ruler and we are the under rulers over the earth. Now, that brings up the question, of course, who are we going to be ruling over? And a lot of people just don't realize that once the tribulation period is over, that there's going to be a separation of the goats and the sheep, is what Jesus called it, where those who have gone through the tribulation and maybe after the rapture, they realized, wait, I missed it. Uh, Jesus was the Messiah. My brother-in-law who'd been trying to get me saved for 10 years, he was right. Now he's gone. Well, now I'm going to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, that, that's good. But Jesus describes the condition of that person when he said, and those who endure to the end will be saved. Now that person, 
if they go through the tribulation, they don't take the mark of the beast, they don't worship uh, the false prophet and, and all of that, and they endure to the end, then what happens is Jesus will say, you can enter into my kingdom. Now those who took the mark of the beast, those who uh, followed the Antichrist, those who came against Jerusalem during that time, they'll be cast into outer darkness where the false prophet and the beast will be. So the earth will be populated by people who made it through the tribulation, who believed in Jesus, but when the scripture says those who endure to the end will be saved, it doesn't mean that they will be born again. They will not be a part of the church. The church was sealed when the rapture took place, when the rapture takes place, and we have the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. The consummation has already happened. The wedding is over. Jesus has his bride. But those who believe who are still on the earth, they will be allowed to enter into the millennial kingdom and still in flesh and blood bodies and there will be uh, death, there'll be sickness, uh, there will be those who love God and follow God, and there will be those who develop an underground culture of rebellion. Because at the end of the millennium, we know that there's going to be so many people that are resentful to this rulership of Jesus, that when Satan is released from the bottomless pit for a short while, the Bible says that he gathers an army of humans on the earth that is so large it's like the sand of the seas and he comes against the holy city of God. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that someone who has lived and life expectancy will extend and the Bible says that those who are in the Gentile nations that they will be able to, if they give honor to Israel, that they will be able to go and partake of the the leaves of the tree of life and be healed. It's for the healing of the nations. It's hard to believe that someone who has lived under the glorious leadership of Jesus and the church, which will be righteous, just leadership, how they could decide somehow that there's a better plan. Yeah. But you know, it's, we got to keep in mind that the people who are living during the millennium, they still have a sin nature. They don't, even the ones who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they're not like the church. They don't have the spirit of the living God living inside of them. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, the Bible refers to the fact that they're living back under the law. And so um, there's gonna be a subculture that once Satan is released, they're gonna go, ah, we'll follow him. Yeah. But then again, at the end of the millennium, it only takes one half of one verse and all of that subculture is eliminated and Satan is dealt with one last final time and he is cast into outer darkness where the false prophet and the beast are. And the fallen angels will be judged at that time. Uh, the scripture also tells us that we as the church, somehow we're gonna be involved in the judgment of those fallen angels. And then a glorious thing happens. We still haven't gotten to our final destination. We've been ruling. We will have ruled with Jesus for a thousand years during the millennium. But then at the end of the millennium, there will be a resurrection of the unrighteous, the great white throne judgment, and then a glorious event happens. 
the scripture says. Let's do a cliffhanger on that. Okay. Because we, we are, th- this is great, you know, just unpacking some of the stuff that we all look and long and want to know about, uh, again, this future heavenly destiny that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ or follower of God uh, that you're going to be a part of. And so we're going to take a little break here where you, you can see how to learn and spend three hours with us discussing these various topics. Heaven is a place we've all dreamed about since the day we first discovered God's wonderful plan for our future. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus told his disciples he would go away to prepare a special place just for them and for us. It's been almost 2,000 years, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready and waiting for his return. As our world disintegrates into chaos right before our eyes, Larry takes our focus to an entirely new place, free of pain, tears, violence, and death. And the very best part, we'll get to experience a lifetime of joy with Jesus. Larry's new book, A Place Called Heaven, is available for your gift of $25 or more to Prophecy Watchers, with shipping included anywhere in the USA. Just call the number you see on your screen 24-7, where we have operators standing by. We are also pleased to introduce you to a brand new companion DVD on heaven featuring Larry with Mondo Gonzalez. We've recorded it on three hour-long DVDs for your enjoyment. It's also available for a gift of $25 or more, with shipping included in the USA. If you're in need of a little encouragement, these two men will make your day a whole lot brighter. When you order both the book and DVD in the Larry Allison Heaven package, we're going to send you a free bonus, a special presentation by Larry made at a recent prophecy conference that introduced people to a whole new way of looking at the backstory of creation. Gary Stearman once called Larry's message, the Luciferian flood, the most amazing message he'd ever heard on a little known and very controversial subject. Was Lucifer on planet Earth long before Adam and Eve? There are several clues in the Bible that seem to indicate that indeed he was. We'd love to send you Larry's book and his three DVDs on heaven, along with a bonus DVD, The Luciferian Flood, for your gift of $50 or more to support the work of Prophecy Watchers. We're just a toll-free call away. When you give to support Prophecy Watchers, you not only receive these valuable resources, you're helping us further our ministry's mission. Your support enables this ministry to continue to take this message of hope to millions of people who have no idea how to get to heaven. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Call us at the toll-free number on the screen or visit our online bookstore at prophecywatchers.tv. Remember, everything that we are doing at Prophecy Watchers is made possible with your support. So be encouraged. Jesus is coming soon, just as he promised. Well, welcome back. And so we, we kind of left it on a, on a cliffhanger in the sense that <clears throat> you've described the putting away of Satan, the final elimination of all wickedness and evil uh, out of the universe. And, and then we come to uh, really what should be most of our favorite passages is Revelation 21 and 22. What happens? Well, we have a, a glorious event that takes place. After the great white throne judgment and death has been eliminated, Uh, Satan has been eliminated. The fallen angels have been eliminated. 
and all that is left here is just the, the host of heaven, uh, the church, the bride of Christ, uh, all of the people who are living on the earth who did not turn away from Jesus and followed him as Lord, then we have a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem coming down. Now keep in mind that there has been a heavenly Jerusalem all this time. All this time there's been a heavenly Jerusalem that the church has been working out of. And how do we know that this heavenly Jerusalem is not the new Jerusalem? Well, the, the heavenly Jerusalem spoken of during tribulation and millennium, it has a temple in it. But the Bible tells us that there's a, a new Jerusalem coming down. And this new Jerusalem doesn't have a temple because the Father and the Son, they, their glory illuminates the entire area. It's just amazing the description of this new Jerusalem. And it's, it's coming down out of heaven. It's 1,500 miles, well, uh, so many stadia. We could get into that 20,000 Which we do, we do in the- uh, 1,388 <laughs> miles, but it's approximately 1,500 miles square. Do you realize that that is the, uh, about the size of from the Mississippi River to the West Coast and from Canada to Mexico. And this thing is 1,500 miles high. And I wonder sometimes, why would God give us the dimensions of the height? It's because we're not gonna be affected by gravity. You know, I had somebody figure it out one day. And if you put a building in the New Jerusalem and it went all the way from the bottom to the top of the New Jerusalem, you'd have 750,000 buttons on the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's going to be glorious. And that's going to be our home base. That's the place where Jesus has gone and prepared a place for us. Now, we need to understand this too, that the word new that is used in the Greek there for the heaven and the earth and the new Jerusalem means refurbished. So this earth is going to be refurbished somehow. And the atmosphere, the first heaven is going to be refurbished. And the heavenly Jerusalem is going to be refurbished into a new Jerusalem. And from that point, we have eternity. Now, what God has for us beyond that is, is a mystery. As, as it says in the Greek, it's a mysterion, you know. But uh, we're going to be there, and it's, it's discoveries. Now, I, look, you and I both <laughs> like archaeology. I know that, uh -huh. you know. And the discoveries, part of the thing about being an archaeologist and loving archaeology is you like to discover things. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend an eternity discovering things. And there will be no end to the discoveries. See, it, eternity is really hard to describe because you can never go back in time far enough to write a book about God because you'll never get back to the beginning. There was no beginning. And medical science tells us we can't even comprehend that. Well, there's no end either. So how long is eternity? That's an irrelevant question. It has no long. It has no end. How do people, uh, we're talking about heaven and, you know, I think it's important for all of us to, to recognize, um, get, give an invitation to people. How, you know, if somebody watching this, maybe they just flipped on the channel and they're wondering, they've been talking about this place called heaven. How do we get there? Well, you know, Paul said that, uh, I fear somehow as Eve was deceived in the garden, that you too might be led away from the simplicity of Christ. Well, God didn't make he didn't make the entrance into heaven complicated. He made it so that any person, man, woman, child, 
who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They believe that He is their Lord. Uh, and they confess it. They repent of their sins and they confess this. They're saved. They're born again. And that's all it takes. We got to remember that God's not walking around with a clipboard looking for excuses, looking for things that you've done to keep you out of heaven. No, if anything, He's looking for ways to get you into heaven. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and He allowed His Son to die on a cross, a horrible, horrific death, because He loves you so much. He loves you so much He gave His Son. So believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that He's living today. You believe that God did it, and you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, and you confess that, you make that a lifestyle, then you're born again, and heaven is your future. Amen. That's a great way to end our program today. And uh, we are the Prophecy Watchers, and we're looking for that future coming of, of Jesus at the rapture when we get to go to this place called heaven, which is what we've been discussing today. And, and I hope that you have put your faith and trust in Him and that you uh, will join us in having that, that blessed hope. So appreciate you watching. As always, we ask for your prayers for what we're doing here. Our desire is to bring as many people with us uh, in that heavenly flight uh, to a place where Jesus has, has said in John 14 that He's going to prepare a place for us. So thank you for watching and we'll see you next time.